0: this episode we'll be talking about neil young harvest in the room i have rob hello ben hello and will hi harvest is a four studio album by a canadian musician neil young <laughs> released on february 1st 1972 it was released on reprise records uh, and it was produced by neil young elliot mazer harry lewis and jack nietzsche and the genre is folk rock and country rock i'm gonna read from the book Burhan an album that perfectly evoked both the dying optimism of San Francisco's counterculture movement and the burgeoning cynicism of the Watergate generation. Harvest stands as a commercial pinnacle of the West Coast country rock scene, a U.S. and U.K. number one, yet its relevance is almost preempted by both the Birds and Buffalo Springfield. Harvest, though, undoubtedly, arguably Young's 1970s creative peak, utilizes harmonies by Linda Ronstadt and James Taylor to strike commercial pay dirt on the hit single "Heart of Gold," the song's success would daunt Young for the next three decades, and he has purposely omitted it from live sets since. The song put me in the what middle of the cranky ro- old bastard. Yeah, <laughs> he said this song put me in the middle of the road. Traveling there soon became a bore, and I headed for the ditch. <laughs>
1: it was a rougher ride, but I saw more interesting people there. Yeah. I love that quote.
0: The song aside, Harvest contains some of the most arresting imagery of Young's career to date. Unsurprisingly, Young would soon retreat from the runaway success of this album, and the majority of of his 70s work would never veer toward a more insidious realization of America via explorations in the realm of punk and blues. Harvest, though, stands as the coming of age of the baby boomer generation. Do you agree with that, Rob? What do we think of Harvest?
1: Why do we need to associate it with the coming age of the boomer generation? Can't I just like this <laughs> album without, like, having to... It's no trans. It's no trans. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Thank you. No, I, I, oh, I, oh, fuck I, off. I love trans. <laughs> um, what do you think of Harvest? I enjoyed it quite a bit. Yeah, had you heard it before? Um, not All and the it's way in, through? Not in its entirety. Yeah. Not, not front to back, but... Uh, I didn't know that he was putting out records with that crazy horse. Mm-hmm. Um, at this point, and I guess what what were they called? The crocodile. It was stray gators. Stray gators. <laughs> That's like a good cool. Hear <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how they were formed. Uh, no, tell me. <laughs> what, what other band did he break up? To oh no, this one? no,
1: he didn't. He didn't break up another band. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> it, it, it was the album was so spontaneously recorded. Uh, Young was in Nashville. I don't know if it was a tour stop. I know he was. He was on tour because he had just played uh, UCLA the week before. And that's where uh, that version of the live version of uh, Needle and the Damage Done from this record mm-hmm. was recorded. So he was out playing shows. He's in Nashville and he gets approached by uh, Elliot Mazer, And Elliot Mazur had just put together uh, this quadraphonic sound studio and was kind of trying to trying to. You know, get some famous people to play it. So Elliot Masur, uh wines and dines Neil Young, plays him uh, some demos that they had cut there. Neil Young really likes the sound. And he's like, hey, I've got some songs that I, I think they're ready to go right now. Can we record tonight? This is Nashville. Can we, like, get a band together? <laughs> so they just start calling people. And they formed that band that night. Tim Drummond, the bass player, was walking down the street. <laughs> like, hey, hey, you with the bass guitar. <laughs> you want to pay five bucks the hard way? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they literally recruited Tim Drummond. And, like, Tim Drummond's not a slouch. Like, he's a he's a studio gun. But it was Nashville in the 70s. He was walking down the street with a bass, and they pulled him into the studio. And Neil Young dubs these guys the Stray Gators, and they become the touring band for this record. They, they just put them all together that night. They recorded... Like, the basic track trackings of, uh, I think, four or five of the songs on this record that night. Wow. That's well cool.
2: Do- well done.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. Was, uh, <laughs> I like how loosey-goosey it feels. Um, like, e- even the drumming on it. Okay. Like, uh, especially track one. I okay. Like, it's just yeah. it's gorgeous. almost behind. It's got it. that it's, those pockets. Yeah. It's
1: hard to go, It's so It's slow. straight yeah. to a
3: fault, in yeah. a way, where I think the other things are kind of like, Or something. I don't even know if it's the drummer. I think other things might be going around, but
2: I don't know how I feel about these giant London Symphony Orchestra arrangements, guys. (laughs) Like on the um
3: like uh, man needs a uh, maid. There's a world. Yeah, there's a world.
2: I don't know if I like that. Oh, I, I think I. I like "There's a World" because it reminds me of uh, that Leonard Nimoy record, the uh, two sides of Leonard Nimoy. That's why you like it because, <laughs> like, because that's the shit that Leonard Nimoy is just like doing his like uh, like slam poetry over. <laughs> um, I, mean, I, I hear you. I'm glad it's, you found an in with Leonard
0: Nimoy. It is. I'll find it. I'll find <laughs> it. I would say those are the. Th- I mean, that started with Buffalo Springfield of him doing this sort of like orchestral blowouts or whatever you want to say, but I do think that is the only thing that makes this separate from, uh, after the gold rush. Uh-huh. Like this uh-huh. feels very much like a part two of after the gold rush. And with, at least with these string arrangements, it feels like a different album. That's the only way I can identify this album from that previous album, because I don't even know if it's
2: necessary. I-, I like to think of it as a use your illusions. Part two <laughs> thing. I've never heard the sequence of words
3: <laughs> like to think of future illusions, <laughs> but
2: uh. Uh, weren't
1: these arrangements weren't weren't they Jack Nietzsche? Yes, huh? yes. Yeah. Man, what a cool career that guy had.
0: Yeah, we, he keeps popping up in this book. Yeah, like yeah, right. every album were incredible. He was, he was yeah, Spectre's
2: work. like head engineer, right? and wasn't he also playing steel guitar live with this re- he, uh, he's touring playing,
1: act? He's playing steel guitar on uh, on Are You Ready for the Country, mm. and he plays keys on a lot of this. Also, at this time, I think he's playing keys for the stones, right? Yep. Jesus.
3: Scoring films. Yeah. You know, of course, is a big thing for him. His name's all over the place for a long time.
2: Yeah. Cool dude. Mm-hmm. Did yeah. you guys know stuff. that Neil Young me. wanted, once you took the shrink wrap off, for the packaging of this to start biodegrading? I learned that today. I think it's <laughs> on the, the oh, label. Like, no! Away.
1: No, we won't do that, Neil. <laughs> Oh come on!
3: Well, it's sort of a Dadaist sort of uh, take on that. You know the the thing uh, was it? I forget which artist wanted the book that was bound in hard grit sandpaper. Dude, I heard about that. Yeah. Yeah. It ah. just destroys so, all of
1: your other albums. I thought it
0: was on the inside of his, of their album, so that when you tried to pull it out, <laughs> it would ruin what? its that,
3: That's actually somebody else inspired by the same Okay, okay, okay. The, the, I think, the, the I I've
0: heard
1: the one that you were Dada. talking about, I heard it was a metal band album, so if you put it on your shelf, it destroys any yeah. albums near I'm going, it. I'm, going, I'm going back to the 1920s with the Dada's,
3: with okay. a book. Yeah. But, but yeah, these are all people that drew from, the, from yeah. Dada. brand Lonely boy out on the weekend. Yeah, it's uh, this music that still day. resonates with me in a long way. And talking about uh, Man Needs a Maid made me think about the uh, Desert Island Disc interview with David Gilmour, which I highly recommend to anybody. It's probably been 15, 20 years old now. But he, he brought that song up as one of his Desert Island songs. Wow. And uh, talked about it a great deal. Also acknowledging m- material, it may be a little dated as far yeah. as the message. But <laughs> how do you guys
1: feel about the lyrics of "Man Needs Made"? M- uh,
3: mutual exhale. Either, huh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's it. That's a, that's a, yeah. That,
0: that should <laughs>
1: you know. There's there's layers there. It. He's working with he's working with multiple interpretations of the word "made." Right, right. And also, it should be noted at the time. He was recovering from back surgery. I was going to say, literally he literally does need a maid. A maid. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, could, I could believe that. Mil- actually, you just reminded me that
3: actually David Gilmore uh, something about in the lyrics, <laughs> or, or the message of it, <clears throat> it's like it doesn't really, he, something about it where he was acknowledging like, you know, it could be about a man. <laughs> <or> something like <laughs> that. It's just like, you know, it's 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 very, you know, open to interpretation in a few ways, which I haven't really thought of. It. Hmm.
1: I, I kind of interpret it as, like, so it's a guy who's come kind of to the sad realization that he can't maintain a romantic relationship, so he's resigned himself to living alone. He just needs someone to, like, come and take care of him and leave once in a while. Like, not even necessarily a
2: romantic relationship. He just... Purely business. Well, he, he needs... he needs, Money's he, on the dresser.
1: He He needs... That, like, that nourishment and that care, but he can't give the, like, the, he can't give the, like, the personal investment.
2: Yeah. I'm being honest with you, I was too uh, distracted by the bombast of the London Symphony Orchestra. Um, Lord. What do you guys think of that narc James Taylor singing backup on on Heart of Gold? Like, did, did what, Wait, wait, James Taylor's a junkie. That's what he wants you to think. <laughs> <laughs> I, I bet Neil Young patted him down to make sure he wasn't wearing a wire. Yeah, <laughs> right. Fucking gork. Dude, that, that,
1: I'd be more worried about Linda Ronstadt wearing
2: a wire than James Taylor. This is the first time Ronson's mm. popped up in the book. Yeah, yeah. I don't need her to pop up Good in honor. the book to think that she might be wearing a wire. <laughs> oh, no. James Taylor is the one that's going to be wearing a wire, <laughs> man. What do you guys think of Heart of Gold? The song. That's song. One, it's
1: one of those. my favorite Neil Young songs. It's cool. uh, Heart of okay. Gold... Is, I think, in my top 15 Des Ryland tracks. Wow. I really like the song Heart of Gold, and I'm fine that Neil Young distances himself.
0: Yeah, doesn't doesn't (laughs) want to play it. Dude,
1: Neil Young's a cranky old man. That's what I love about him. If he doesn't like the same Neil Young songs that I do, so be it.
3: Yeah. He doesn't have to. Yeah. The older I get, and I distance myself from things, like, like a song like Heart of Gold that I think is overplayed it will come up now and again and that's when you you know, you you're reminded there's a reason for that where it's a yeah. fantastic, you know, gorgeous song.
1: Right so. in the right in the intro of that song, there's almost just like there's like a chiming tone and I've been listening to it with headphones. I can't tell if it's like guitar harmonics or I don't think it's actual chimes. But like you can you can really hear it in the intro before he when it's really sparse before you start singing. Mm-hmm. There's just like a really cool. It's just a tone that just like chimes. He's like.
0: G- he's great at inserting the the proper like tones or uh, items, you know, within each song. Like the f- <laughs> the first song, uh, out on the weekend. Out on the weekend when it comes back to the second uh, verse, and there's just that like ringing guitar over the verse. It's like a mm-hmm. pitch perfect, like just little tone. Just well, a little I don't know what you're talking about. With the chimes. To, to but I hadn't thought about that, but now I know what you're yeah. talking and, about. Yeah, so. I think he he's very aware of how his own voice sounds with guitars, and he does pick those. He makes a conscious selection to. We're also talking about songs that are
3: super stripped c- down, counter. a lot of economy and yeah. yeah. like what's there, so to it, have it, things like that. A, unless yeah, it's right. with a.
0: Or a the other. large
3: huge orchestra. Yeah. yeah, right. You know, I've done pretty well. I've been here for a little bit and I haven't talked about the monkeys at all.
1: Oh man. Oh, well yeah. there's still there's still times. Still- I'm an
3: encyclopedic personality when it comes to I mean, they're my <coughs> favorite recorded band of well, all. You time. you should have been, been here when we covered the monkeys. I know. I told no, you. This is more appropriate. I told you. Okay, okay. Because did you know, when Neil Young left Buffalo Springfield, a few days after that, because he was friends with all that group, like he appeared on a couple of monkeys songs and Those songs are fantastic. (laughs) Like, (laughs) There are songs that I think one of them made it to a record. You and I was on song after Peter Tork left, so it's just three monkeys. So no one gave a shit about that album or anything. But the guitar on it is so painfully Neil Young, like electric guitar. But uh, recently the movie Lady Bird, I was sitting in a theater and the trailer came on to it, and this song came on, and it was... uh, as we go along, which is from the head soundtrack. Yeah. And I was just kinda like, is this happening? Like <laughs> is this <laughs> in this trailer? And then I went to see the movie, probably because of the fucking monkey song. And uh <laughs> I didn't hear it at all in the movie. But Neil Young plays acoustic in that. And he plays acoustic on another song right around that time. So
0: It's awesome. Yeah, that's cool. And
3: often not associated with the monkeys legacy, but there he is. Keith He's right, right there. In. If you ever need like a call-in, like monkeys reference on something, <laughs> or are we gonna get? Are we? It's
1: 1972. We two, gonna cover some more monkeys? No.
2: There's
3: what no you, more. Yeah, I monkeys. don't think. I don't think Michael Nesmith makes these lists. Yeah.
2: What are your thoughts about uh, that? Narc James Taylor playing <laughs> the six-string uh, banjo tuned like a guitar on "Old Man."
1: Oh, you mean a banjitar? I think that as a rule, in general, as a blanket statement. A banjitar is a, is cheating. Hmm. Huh. I, it sounds cool, you know, and like, and you know, I didn't know it was a banjitar until until I read that it was.
0: Why is it cheating? Explain. Because
1: you're because you're not playing the banjo. You're just playing guitar. It just sounds like a banjo. I think from a purist standpoint, it's like just figure out a banjo. <laughs> the banjo
2: purist. But there's a lot of <laughs> the, the, the tens of banjo purists <laughs> no, like, out there in the thing, world.
0: Like, but there's a lot of. Uh... Uh, you know, keyboards that make other sounds.
1: Yeah, for cheaters. Okay, they're <laughs> <laughs> okay, cheaters too. I just wanted to make sure we established. Now, like, I, I get the appeal of it. You can you can all of a sudden sound like you've learned another <coughs> instrument without actually learning anything new. Okay. And that, that yeah, it's an appeal. If you're a cheater. Okay. <laughs> you
2: know? It's a real narc move, right?
1: Okay. <laughs> it was Neil Young's guitar. Yeah,
2: but I guess he was playing it on it.
1: James Taylor. Yeah, the fucking narc James Taylor. (laughs) You're confusing narc James Taylor with heroin junkie James Taylor. (laughs) I don't think I am. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I learned today who the old man of old man was. Yeah. Yeah, his name's Louis Avila. Uh, He was the caretaker, the old man, him and his wife were the caretakers of the ranch, Broken Arrow Ranch that Neil Young bought Mm -hmm. right before recording this. And when he bought the place and met the caretaker caretaker's like how's a youngster like you afford a place like this and he's like I guess I'm just lucky and he's like that's the darndest thing I've ever heard a youngster like you being able to
0: afford a ranch
1: you long haired youngster
3: With the notorious uh, turn up the barn story, right? Yep. Yeah. How yeah, did we a, not talk about that? Who oh wants, well, no, who we're, wants getting to talk we're getting about there. We're getting
1: there. But uh, uh, one more thing about old man. I really like the line. Uh, what is uh, it doesn't mean a much uh, that much to me to mean that much to you? Mm-hmm. That's such a cool line. Yeah, it's a good line. That's a badass line. So yes. So uh,
0: who wants to tell it? I'll tell it. Yeah.
1: Okay. <laughs> you can go it. for it, bud. You had lot. So we mentioned earlier, uh, like four or five of these tracks were recorded that evening in. Uh, in Nashville at uh, Elliot Mazer's Quadraphonic Sound Studios, more of the album was recorded uh, at a later session at uh, Neil Young's ranch, the Broken Arrow Ranch. He had turned the barn on the ranch into a recording studio, and he 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 took those same uh, uh, Stray Gators guys from Nashville. He brought them in to California, and they recorded. And the story is, uh, so also like Stephen Stills and Graham Nash and David Crosby are all doing backup vocals on this because, of course they are. Yeah. Because it's that crew. Yeah. And I think uh, Graham Nash's account was, Neil Young's like, hey, do you want to see how, want to hear how Harvest is sounding? And Graham was like, yeah, uh, are we going into the studio? And he goes, nope, let's get on this <laughs> rowboat. So... <laughs> get <laughs> on a rowboat, him and uh, Crosby, I think, and Neil Young. And they row out to the middle of this large pond, small lake that's on the ranch. And uh, <coughs> and Elliot Maser is back at the mixing board and he's got the PA in the barn set up as the left channel and he's got all of the sound equipment in Neil Young's house in the windows set up as the right channel. And there in a rowboat on the lake, in between the two channels, and they're and it's just blaring across the countryside. And apparently, El, apparently Elliot Mazer walks down to the shore. And he's like, "How's the stereo of Mix Neil?" And Neil's famous line is, "More barn." <laughs> <laughs> and in in twenty sixteen, uh, 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 in an interview, someone asked Neil Young about that story. I think previous to that had just been a Graham Nash story. Right. Mm-hmm. So they asked Neil Young about it. <laughs> and you Neil know, was like, "Yeah, if I remember, it was a little house heavy." <laughs> 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 oh, man, what a cool story! Yeah, <laughs> love it. Uh,
0: what do you think, Rob? What do you think about Harvest?
2: Um, I said, "Is good!" Exclamation point.
0: Okay, how? It, uh, let me let me put this question, since I think we're all gonna be on positive on this one. How do you feel about this one and After the Gold Rush being in the book? Do they both need to be in there? Yeah,
2: we- I think so. Okay. Yeah. I, 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 think I, I don't think own there's own embarrass- an issue with having... Uh- those two, I mean, and not, like as far as uh, this was number one, like in the U.S. Like th- this, this true. just went to number one. This was the so breakout just for for that alone. You know, this deserves the That's accolades. Best selling uh, album of
1: 1990 or 1972. That's and right. wow. what? and, and 1990.
2: <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> What a comeback. (laughs) Um, Thanks, Pearl Jam. Good thing you didn't get that biodegradable (laughs) sleeve. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, we could have sold so many more. (laughs) (laughs) The record label was thinking very (laughs) short-sighted on that. (laughs) Hello, reprise. Can I buy just sleeves? (laughs) Uh, The the,
1: the disc's fine. (laughs) I don't even know. It's not reprise, is it? I I didn't even write down what it was. uh, It is is reprise. Was it? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, nice. Hey. Good
2: job. Um, All right. One time when I got a uh, 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 late night drinking, um, I, I ate a lot of Taco Bell. It, 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 happened, more it happened more than once. You've uh, done this before? Happened more than once. But yeah, You I, put I, on I, Harvest? I, no, I woke up the next morning, <laughs> and uh, I was thinking to myself, T-Bell and the damage done. <laughs> ah. every, every taco's like a setting song. I'm like, Ooh, uh, after uh, the gold rush. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> oh.
1: So we haven't talked about that song. It's about Danny, Danny Witten of Crazy Horse. Mm-hmm yeah Mm -hmm. bummer yeah that was a talent yeah yeah total positive every junkie's like a and son james taylor (laughs) yeah (laughs) that narc (laughs) (laughs) oh
2: you don't think james taylor fucking narked on somebody if only to get more heroin he's a fucking narc and you know (laughs) (laughs) fucking narky hat absolute positive from me
3: though this is a great knowing very little about james taylor have you guys talked about James Taylor? Yeah, we've covered oh, a few uh,
2: yeah. at least. One I had of my albums. suspicions, okay. But, uh, and he's he's and he's it. white, right? <laughs> I don't know, I'm just
3: we think <laughs> of course, think he bad? is.
2: I, uh,
1: you know, how I feel about Neil yeah. Young, yeah. I, I'm not gonna talk shit on Neil Young, and uh, you know, like it, this was Neil Young's like most middle of the road album, and so what, you know, it's great, it's great, and you know you you can't you can't call him out and oh yeah you know you're in the middle of the road because he absolutely did aim for the ditch after this yeah you know <laughs> I just I, I like that guy and I respect the things that he does and this is a great record yeah
4: mm-hmm.
0: cool
3: fantastic I mean right out the gate I mean you could opening a, a record with out on the weekend by the end of that song I mean I'm I'm in, you know, yeah. so. Yeah. And it's not just, I mean, the sound of it, everything we talk about, the economy, the, uh, you know, it's so stripped down, but, you know, it unpacks so much as far as, like, emotionally, melodically, and everything, so. It's mm-hmm. one of my favorite records ever. Cool. I'll, I'll stop after just talking about the first song. So. <laughs> I do love that first song. <laughs> yeah, it really sets I, the tone. Yeah. I had
1: yeah. never until today really paid attention to how long it was. I just always knew it ends before I want it to. Mm-hmm. Like that's how long a, is
3: it?
1: It's like four and a half minutes. Yeah. But I always thought I it, was, guessed it I, I thought it was one like one a long. two minute song. Yeah, me too. And I was like, I would, man, I always wish out on the down. weekend was yeah, a it's longer song. Four and a half. But yeah, yeah. it's it's mm. plenty long. It yeah. just it feels Beautiful. so short.
0: Yeah. Beautiful perfection. Yeah, I'm on total positive. I mean Neil Young just uh, this period he was just striking gold. Mm-hmm. Literally with the songs, everything. But I
3: mean, that surprises me that it was a, a top-selling record. The idea that something like that, I, so stripped down, you know, why, so whatever, uh, has his legacy and stuff. But
0: that that could—it's because Cros- Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young, yeah. that mm-hmm. Deja Vu had just come out. Oh, really? And that had yeah. well, that those were, was one of their solo albums anticipated did well after that. really and
3: yeah. I'm naive on a lot of their, yeah. s- their solo legacies even so even yeah, David really Crosby's
0: uh if I can only remember I, my name yep mm-hmm. even that one like went wow went, yeah, we, went we covered big.
1: that, yeah in past episodes yeah we covered deja vu which <laughs> came out like in early 71 and it was such like a, a mega smash and then very strategically later that year, every one every member of that band. <laughs> yeah, they fucking Wu-Tanged the shit out of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and all of those
2: albums did good. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. So. This is my favorite of them though.
0: Yeah, Neil Young is definitely yeah. my favorite well, of, yeah. of those. Next time we'll be talking about Curtis Mayfield Superfly. Superfly. oh Yeah. Alright, thanks all. Right. Y'all.
4: lost such a cause give me things that don't get lost like a coin that won't get too-